This is the Jocko Underground Podcast number 69 sitting here with EC, Echo Charles. Yes. Echo Charlie. Sure. Sometimes referred to. That me, Jocko Willink. Uh, so we're going to talk about choking. But normally we talk about choking, we're talking about the jujits, yeah. right? That's yeah. our, that sure. When we think of choking, that's what we think of. But there's another form of choking, and that's when the chips are down. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The stakes are high. The stakes are high. Choking in sports or in any kind of event. You, know, you can choke in a debate. You can choke in a confrontation with someone, an argument. But it's a, what it is, is failing to perform as one is expected to perform based on how they have performed in the past and the skill level that they have. Mm. So, because here's the thing. If someone loses, or someone who loses all the time or isn't that good, doesn't make any goals, and now they miss a game-winning shot, right. That's not that's not choking. Yeah, yeah. That's just true. That's just someone that sucks, <laughs> right? But when someone is good, and someone does perform well, and they do score goals, and they do that historically and consistently, and and then that moment comes for them to make that game-winning shot, mm-hmm. and they miss it. Yeah, <clears throat> that's choking. Brutal. Happens in every sport. Happens in uh, basketball, right? Especially foul shots. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yes, I do. My uh, one of my best friends in the Derbs. He was, he was in, playing in like the. He was either the, I think it was the state finals, mm. and he and he had a foul shot to make for the win, and he he missed the finals. He missed it, and mm. they lost. Field goals in football, bro. JV were playing against Waimea. Cake Nuts was the kicker for Waimea, by the way. Mm-hmm. Our cake nuts. So you guys are on opposing teams. Opposing teams, and they're better than us, straight mm-hmm. up. But we held them to 0-0 the Ooh, whole game. Nice. So they had the ball, last play of the game, one second left, field goal time for them. Cake, cake nuts. nuts runs up on the field. I'm like looking at this guy, and cake nuts is good. He's and good, you guys are friends kicker. right now, at yeah. this point, at that point. At that time, point, we you were friends. friends. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Not, I mean, not as much as we were like, uh, you know, in, later in on. Late, yeah, this is JV time. Mm-hmm. Actually, we weren't friends. Okay, I didn't meet him till, like, I met, I knew him, yeah. but I, we didn't become friends, friends till tenth grade. Okay. So, um, so yeah, he runs over the fields, kicking out to this little run. He used to play for Hana Pepe too, by the way, which is in Pop Warner. Anyway, so he gets up on there, he lines up, freaking, and it wasn't that far of a field goal. It like was like twenty maybe, yards, not even fifteen, oh. maybe. Yeah, so he gets on there and bro, he kicks it, makes it. Oh, he made it. Did not choke. Oh, okay, well there you go. But I thought he was gonna choke. I would because you know, like it was so poetic. They were supposed to beat us so bad. Yep. He didn't choke though. King nuts for the win. Hunting, archery. <laughs> you, this is a this is a total like this will be revealed. Yeah. To use Echo Charles' second favorite word, revealed. Sure. You're you know you there's guys you shoot. You go out and shoot your bow, 70, 80, 90, 100 yards, 110 yards. Yeah. Just out there, you're just dialed in. Yeah. Hitting that, me and Josh Hall. True. Josh Hall and I have the, got to hit that paper plate at 60 yards every time, mm-hmm. right? So that's what, that's where you're at. Yeah. And if you can hit a paper plate at 60 yards, you should be able to hit that elk in the kill zone at yeah. 60 yards. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, a guy will come out, they'll go out and they'll miss at 30 yards. Yeah. You know, it is... 
it is tough. And there's all kinds of, so what's causing that? You got heightened anxiety. There's adrenaline going through, so you got, you got the chemical cocktail that could be going through your system. Mm-hmm. You got the, the anxiety. You got, could have the negative thoughts like, if I miss, you might be worrying about things that you can't control. You might be over-processing all the things that are happening. You got one thing to think about. Yeah. You got the social expectations. Yeah. Right? Like, you're, if there's a crowd, I mean, what about when the crowd's there? Yeah. Right? Everyone's watching. Yeah. Where I go hunting normally, like everybody knows. Like, you come back to camp and everybody knows what happened. <laughs> <laughs> there's no hiding it. Yeah. Uh, so those are the kind of things that can cause problems, yeah. right? That can cause you to choke. Now, what's interesting is there is something called the individual zones of optimal functioning. And that is what that means is in certain amount of stress is good mm-hmm. because you have to focus more like, ah, here's, here's one. Um, I, most of the time surf without a leash. Mm. Without a rope, leashes are for dogs. Well, right. I don't know. No, <laughs> not just for dogs. But you know. So here's the thing: when when I this is one of those things that you know, there's certain things that you can feel, like you can actually feel them. Yeah. Like let, let's say, what do you? Like let's say you work on a computer a lot, right? Sure. If your computer's lagging, yes. like you'll notice it. Yeah, I yeah. probably I wouldn't notice it. I understand. Yeah. I would, if I was trying to do something, I wouldn't notice it yeah. because you're so good at working your computer that you're gonna notice yeah. when it's lagging. Yeah. So when you can actually identify something, I actually feel like when I'm surfing and I don't have a leash on, yeah. actually I feel it more when I, when I, if I have a leash on, I'm like, kind of, you just feel this like crazy carefree, like I'll just do whatever. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. feel a lot looser and a lot less focused. When you're yeah. out on a big day with no rope, yeah. you, your shit is tight, dude. Yeah. you are focused. Yeah. You have to be, because yeah. if you blow it, your board's gone. Yeah. You may, you might have to swim for it. You may lose it. This is you may never see it again. So that that that's what you want a certain amount of stress in the scenario. So how the, the question is like, how do we overcome choking? Mm. What can we do? What can we do to stop that? Well, obviously, detach. Take. <laughs> you can't get all caught up in your head. Breath. Take a breath. Mm-hmm. Right. Breathe. Take a breath, man. Calm down. You got to calm down. Here's another critical thing. Have a protocol. Mm-hmm. Like a protocol. When we would learn to shoot, we would, some some guys would make like a little ditty. Is that word? Is that a civilian word? Does anybody know what that means? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like a little thing. Like a little, a little, it's, like it doesn't a, rhyme, but it's yeah, like a certain. A little chant. Yeah, little a little jingle, chant. A little something. I When I first started archery, I had it. Oh, for real? You know, I, I mean, I definitely had it for shooting before, mm. but the most recent little ditty that I had was for archery. Mm. And it was just like, I went through the whole, you know, starting at my feet, I was like, feet in position, and I went all the way up to like, pinky on the, I, I would touch my, to keep my front hand, You believe it or not, when you shoot a bow, mm. your front hand is like loose. You don't grip, because uh. then that torques the bow. So you're yeah. So I'd be like, pinky touch, and I would just like, touch my pinky onto the, onto the bow itself because I knew that if I went to touch it and I was gorilla gripping, I'd be like, oh, you're gorilla. So, yeah, yeah. so, you, so you make these little ditties huh. and they will, they will help you. 
um, with that. And and look, you can also have things that are protocols, like when someone goes take a foul shot in basketball. Mm-hmm. Did you play basketball? No. So I played basketball, you know, you go out and I had like, if it was a foul shot, I'd have my little like spin the ball, bounce, yeah. spin the ball, bounce, 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 mm-hmm. shoot. So you have a little protocol that you're going through. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, what can you do to put yourself in pressure situations? Because the more you get into pressure situations, the better you can be in handling them. That's when I was running SEAL training, it was like, we're gonna put you in insane pressure situations, yeah. mayhem situations, and you're gonna start to learn how to do these things. And of course, practicing. Which is, because a lack of confidence can trigger you to choke, because you lack confidence and you choke. How do you get more confident? You get good. You practice. The more you practice, the more your confidence increases even doing mental rehearsals of what you're gonna do is gonna help out. Uh, I would say, I, I, we heard, I heard this originally, that it had to do with Tiger Woods' coach, Tiger Woods' mental coach. Mm. And his thing was, it's not your last shot, you can't think about your last shot, you can't think about your next shot, you just have to like clear your mind and think about this shot right here. Mm. Where this becomes very evident is if you're shooting drills, like pistol, mm. and you're shooting six head plates. If you miss one of those, yeah. this is where you see where a guy's head is at, right? Because yeah. he, goes, he goes ping, 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 bang, and like miss. Mm-hmm. So it's like hit, 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 miss. A guy, guy that's good, just no factor, takes another shot at that target, moves right on down the line. No factor. But you'll see sometimes, guys, it's just everything falls apart. It's mm-hmm. like hit, 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 miss, 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 mag change. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. So that that is one of the things that I think really applies when you're shooting, you can't think about your last shot, you can't think about your next shot, you just have to focus on the shot that you're on, front side focus, squeeze, you know, boom, let it go. Mm. Let the shot surprise you. That's that's the, that's the what you have to do. And like let, let the shot surprise you, for me was always a little ditty that I had in my head when it was getting gnarly. Like if I, if I missed a shot, I wouldn't really think about missing shot, but if I missed two shots, now all of a sudden I'm like, I mean, just let it surprise you, ding, right, you get it. Mm. So having a little bit of a safe word, for lack of a better term, like you blow it, cool, get it back together, mm-hmm. you know, and let it go. So just some psychological things that happen, man, yep. clear your brain, clear your mind, don't choke. Don't choke. Yeah, that Diddy thing is interesting because, you know, when you explain it, you start to think of all the little examples of it. You know, like some people when they deadlift, like you see like powerlifters yep. or guys working out with yep. like heavy deadlifts, they'll have their little thing. I don't know what they're saying in their brain, but, you know, like they'll step in a certain thing, yep. they'll oh, rub their 100%. foot. Yep. And stuff. I used to have that. I used to do long jump in mm-hmm. long jump and triple jump in high school. And I would have a thing yep. where you do. It's like. It's psychologically helpful. Yep, it's, it's not like physically necessary, but yeah, but it would help. Oh yeah. Yep, and the cue words too. I don't know if I use that, but sometimes like on a lift, mm-hmm. you know, there'll be cue words. Mm-hmm. Like a coach will teach you cue words, like you like know, wait, drive the heels, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive the heels, knees yeah. together, or whatever, whatever the thing is. Like yeah. an arm lock, you're yeah. like knees together. Yeah. 
So there's there's certain keywords. I used to do this when when I taught kids class a lot in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Was like under over under over lock foot on the hip same side yeah. turn yeah. crunch f- hand on the face. That was my arm lock. I had an arm lock. I made ditties for the yeah, kids. That's cool. So those ditties will help you out. It's also you know what else? All it's good for teaching. Even teaching yeah. adults, you give them a ditty. Yeah. Then it's going to be easier for them to learn. I used to use one for like a reminder protocol. So like um, when I worked at the club, I'd always forget my name tag. And you got to pay 10 bucks for a name tag mm. if you lose it or whatever. But so I, I came up with this. Half your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So I came up with this ditty apparently is what it was. So I'd be I'd say keys, phone, name tag. Oh, yeah. Every time I leave the, the house and I'd go key. But I'd tap my pockets because I keep everything yeah. in the exact same pocket. I tap so my go, pockets keys, to this phone, day. I oh, tap my real? pockets this day. Yeah, you yeah. know, wallet, keys, phone, boom, tick, tick, tick. Yeah, and obviously, you know, you got your weaponry, but sure. Weaponry. And and uh, we used to do this with leaving a target, guns, goggles, and gear. Make sure yeah. you have your gun. Make sure you have your night vision goggles. And make sure yeah. you have whatever uh, specialty equipment that and you have with you. So I would, um, I would like tap. I do it three times. So I'd go keys, phone, name tag, keys, phone, name tag. But I tap it. So keys this side, whatever. Do you guys do that kind of stuff too? Like. You know, like head, shoulders, knees, and toes kind of thing. Well, when you're doing like, let's say you're going on a dive, you'll you'll check your buddy the same way every time. Oh, yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. Like, okay, map, blah, blah, boom, check here. Yeah. Parachuting, same thing. You like trace the cord, come back yeah. here, boom, and you just give people. So you go through, yes, you have a like a physical day yeah. that you're going to go through. So it's like the kind where like years later you remember it. Yeah, still. well, I remember Dave Burke was like. Cool, good deal, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> he, we were talking about something and he's. There's some emergency protocol. He's like, I'll do it for you right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, go ahead. And he talked. He said it off. You know, basically, it sounded like he was saying A B C D E F G H I J K L M N O P. Yeah. Boom. He was like, he just rattled it off. Yeah. He hasn't been in an airplane in I don't know, maybe ten years. Still knows. something like that. So the whole thing about maybe um, five years. You know, like when the pressure is on, right, and you choke. So yeah. I think Sam Harris said this. Uh-huh. Where. So it's a, sometimes when certain types of pressure is on, you use a different part of your brain than you normally use. So like even walking. So some people, if they have social anxiety or something like this, right, it's like an extreme exa- example where let's say you walk into a room and a normal room has either one person in it or no people in it, whatever, you're just walking, right? But you walk in a room where a thousand people are looking at you or on stage or something and you're not used to it. So now there's certain parts of your brain that are hyper aware, which usually they're unaware. So certain movements are be done for being done with your subconscious or unconscious mind yeah. now they're being done with your conscious mind so now your regular walk seems like a weird yeah. awkward walk now when you're doing like you know when you're trying to say certain things you sound kind of weird now mm-hmm. and then now the fact that you're sounding weird makes you feel more weird so now you're even more cut so it's like this spiraling thing see what yep. i'm saying so no, it's like that's diff- a great example yeah so it's like like walk across this two-foot plank Walk across this one foot wide plank. If I told you to do that right now, like I put a piece of wood on the ground and it was a foot wide and I was like, walk this 10 foot thing. And you'd be like, cool. And you do it. But then if I put it freaking 30 stories up and death was imminent if you fell. (laughs) Yeah. You're hyper aware. EC would be a little hyper aware. Well, maybe not EC, but yeah, like a normal person for sure. (laughs) Oh, and that's how jujitsu is too. Like if you don't compete and then now you come and you go and compete, everyone's watching, yelling, all this stuff. Like you're, you're, overly aware of certain things mm-hmm. where you know in practice 
your your sub or unconscious mind is doing and doing all these other things. Now you like your conscious mind is being overworked. So every so you can't you can't fight the way you normally would fight in certain ways, you know. That's why you got to practice. That's why you got to drill. Yeah. That's why you got to make ditties. That's why you got to breathe. That's why you got to relax. That's why you got to focus on what's in front of you, not the last shot, not the next shot. Yep. Careful. Agree. Easier said than done, but hey, man, <laughs> jump in there. No one said Do it was easy. I'll run my side. Yes, sir. I understand. All right, let's get to some Q&A. First question. <clears throat> Hi, Jocko Renaco. I just want to start out by saying I love the podcast and have been a listener for years now. I dream of being a guest one day. I'm a 23-year-old flight instructor from Houston, Texas. I grew up playing sports in high school and college and pursued my dream of becoming an airline pilot starting in 2020. Now I'm only a month away from beginning my training class at the airlines. I feel that it's a huge step for not only my career, but my life. Could you give me some advice on taking a big step in life and being in a position of much more responsibility, but feeling like you're not ready yet? Well, we definitely don't want him to choke. No, 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 no. In these critical situations. Okay, so this is basically, this is your fundamentally some imposter syndrome, right? Hey, I don't think if I'm, I don't think I should be here. I don't think I'm ready for it. I don't think I'm ready for this much responsibility. And the fact that you feel some of that, to me, is good. It's good. What would worry me is if you were writing in saying, hey, I'm going to flight school. I think it's going to be below me because I'm so skilled and I don't think it's going to be the kind of challenge I've been looking for. (laughs) Because then you're not going to train. If you thought you were going to be totally ready, then I'd be worried. So... The, what you're feeling is actually a very positive thing. You're a humble person that wants, that, that recognizes it's gonna be challenge, challenging. And so what does that mean? That means you're gonna prepare. That means you're gonna study, right? So what you can do specifically is get the knowledge. So there's certain, there's certain knowledge that you can learn from a book, even about flying. Right, just like there's certain knowledge about in the SEAL teams, they'd make you when you got to the SEAL team, they'd make you learn, you know, the max effective range of this weapon, the max effective range of that weapon, the the, the dive tables that you could use your dive equipment for, the distance you can glide with a pair, like all these mechanical rote pieces of information. Mm. Well, that, that it's actually really good to learn and memorize all that stuff. So for you becoming an airline pilot. Having knowledge, understanding what the aircraft capabilities are, understanding procedures. There's procedures you can read in a book. Don't let the first time you learn the procedure be in the class when they're teaching. You should already have studied that and be heads up on it. So that's the main thing that I would do. And then I would just continue to do what you're doing in terms of being humble. And knowing that you have a ton to learn, but also knowing that, listen, you're a high school, uh, you played sports in high school, you played sports in college, you're obviously athletic, you're obviously smart. This is not going to be, this isn't like we're saying, hey, you're going to have to go against the Chet, you know, uh, Magnus Carlson in chess. Yeah. No. We're not saying that. No one's saying that. They're saying we're going to teach you a skill that you are more than capable of learning. So go learn it. No factor. Confident but not cocky. Yeah. Go get it. Straightforward. Good job, man. Congrats. We talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's so. Yeah, that's interesting. And you kind of say this a long time ago, where, well, not a long time ago, sometimes, where that's like common, yeah? Like when you get, yeah. like, oh, you're ready for this promotion, even like in jiu-jitsu or whatever, where it's like, yeah, you get promoted by your peers or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're like, you kind of have this feeling somewhere in there. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. Kind of common. Next question. Hello, gentlemen. I have been in a steady relationship for the past eight years. We've been relatively happy in a day-to-day 
in day-to-day subjects, we get along great, but are largely aligned and are largely aligned in small things. Unfortunately, in, in certain very important subjects, we are at odds. When the relationship began, we were young, 22 and 21 years old. I had no thought in my head about children. She liked the idea. Somewhere along the line, or along the way, we pass each other on going opposite directions. Now I want kids, and she has no interest. There are other issues at the strategic scale, but that's the biggest one in my opinion. We both have expressed that while we care about each other a lot, we may not be able to reconcile those differences. My question is, is is it worth waiting to see if our goals realign? And how do you decide when you can't realign your goals considering the landscape has changed greatly throughout the relationship? Thanks, guys. Love the content. And the Delta 68. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a lack of alignment, as you pointed out, and I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. The problem with lack of alignment is if we look at it and we discuss it and we can't get aligned, it's a problem that can't be solved because we can't break the laws of physics and go to two different places at the same time. It can't happen. You can't, in this case, you can't have kids and not have kids. It's, it's truly impossible to do that. Now, that being said, to have a discussion with her because we, we might be worried that we're not going to, same, to the same place, but maybe we're gonna meet, and his concern is maybe we're gonna meet at the same place in the future. Mm. So that's the worry. Like, hey, hey, should I wait to see if she's gonna change? And I think what you actually have to do is have a discussion and say, well, listen, I know you don't wanna have kids right now, but do you think in the future, in two or three years, do you think you're gonna come back around where you're gonna to wanna to have kids? Because mm. right now she's 29, I'm assuming. Yeah, she's 29, it's been eight years, she's 29. Um, the For women, you know, when you start having kids at 40, it's called a high-risk pregnancy. That's what they call it, out of the gate. It's like, oh, hi, you're pregnant and you're 40? Cool, this is called a high-risk pregnancy because there's, the for whatever physiological reasons, it's gonna be higher risk. So she's got a couple, two, three years to make some kind of a decision and be like, all right, I'm in the game because I don't wanna get close to a high-risk pregnancy, right? Mm. I don't wanna do that. I wanna get in the game while where it's low-risk pregnancy. So I would say, hey, where are you at in the future? Is, is do you see a trajectory where you're gonna look up in a year or two and we're and you're gonna be open to having kids again? And and have that discussion. The thing the other thing that concerns me a little is you say there's there's also other strategic issues with this relationship, which again, probably the biggest strategic issue you could have is one wants to have kids, you want to have kids, she doesn't. That's a huge strategic misalignment. But then you mention kind of offhand that there's another, just another uh, or other strategic misalignments, which is starting to make me think that that we need to discuss those as well, right? You need to discuss those as well. Because the way this is currently set up, the way you're writing this to me, the way it's currently set up, is that there's a lack of alignment here. And 
that's a problem. I mean, kids, for many people, kids are basically the purpose of a relationship, right? I, look, not everyone. Look, some people might want to have a relationship because they want companionship or they want financial support or you're better off as a team buying a house together and you're going to live together because you want to be more financially secure or you just want friendship or you get along really good. Like, there's a bunch. All those are valid. But for you, it sounds like the primary goal is children. And for many people, I mean, you're getting married, you're going to get married, you're going to have kids. That's what. That's like the, speaking of ditties, that's a ditty. Oh, we're going to get married and have kids. Mm. That's what's happening. It's a very common thing. So we don't know where her mind's going to be. She's got a couple years to kind of see the trajectory of having kids. So I would maybe discuss some kind of an amicable breakup to take a look around and see if there's someone that's more aligned than you two are. Uh, Part of this, any, hey man, listen, you have to take what I'm saying with a grain of salt because I'm not in your shoes right now. There's a lot of context that I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't understand because I don't know. You've been together for eight years. That's a long time. And what this kind of says to me, we might be, you might be in a, in a little bit of a convenience relationship where you two are used to each other, you've been together, you you know how to make each other content, you're moving through life, which would be all awesome actually, except for you're not going to the same place and that worries me. So I would start off with the discussion of, hey, do you see a place in the near future where you're gonna come around to where it's, it is time to have kids? I would talk about the other strategic issues that you bring up and then depending on the, how those discussions go, I think it might be time to get a, get a little bit of separation where you can do an assessment not only of that relationship but also of other opportunities that are out there. And then, you know, that's another thing you say, you, one of the things you say, we've been relatively happy day-to-day subjects get along great like those all say to me that's convenient which is hey look if you are married and you're aligned and you also are have a content day-to-day relationship that's awesome but if you have a content day-to-day relationship but you don't have the same long-term goals that's not going to end well so that's my advice mm. Did you get? Did you have kids soon after you got married? A uh, year and a half. Year and a half, like that. Two years. Is, is that long? That's not that long. No, actually, it wasn't that long. It was like a year. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a year. Cause maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Oh no! Yeah, it was a year and a half. Hmm. Might have been two years. That's a pretty significant amount of time, though. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think? Like the the norm is like get married and then right away. I don't children? think there is a norm. I think it just varies. I think the norm is right away. That's what mm-hmm. it feels yeah. like be wrong bro i waited like five years that's wait. long that's long to me yeah wait five thirteen nine ten eleven four years four years yeah it's long. it's long but at least you know see what i'm saying yeah. like where well what's good is this guy's detached he's looking at the situation he can assess it with a with a with a uh clear mind yeah. right that's what i like about this dude yeah and you're right and it always i always feel like 
and you said this kind of perfectly where you were like, hey, take it with a grain of salt because I don't know yeah. you guys together and all. Because on one hand, you're thinking, bro, what if like this – because if you really want kids and then you wind up like passing like a window, you know, because yeah, for yeah. a female, that's how, right? You, 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 there's a point where you can't have kids yeah. anymore or whatever and you regret it or whatever. From what I understand, like, hey, that's a big regret or whatever. Yeah. But at the other, you know, at the same time, it's like, bro, what if that's like not a big deal, you know? And then this guy breaks up with his soulmate for something that's, you know, not that big of a deal in his life kind of a thing. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know. That's life though. Right? Next question. My wife just told me that she's attracted to women. I kept normal face and asked questions. It surprised me. She doesn't know what she wants to do. We have two school aged kids. I love her. I think I think there's a seventy five percent chance that all our family stays together. But when I detach, I'll admit there's at least twenty five percent chance that it might not. I'm not a perfect husband or father, but I'm on the path. Professionally squared away, working out every day, eating clean, and of course, training jiu-jitsu. I'm having a hard time thinking strategically because I'm not sure what my goal should be. I want my kids to have a stable, loving home with two parents, something I did not have growing up. I also know that my wife might need to leave, and it would be wrong for me to stop her. How do I take ownership of this situation? I cannot stand the idea of waiting around for the other shoe to drop. I want to be default aggressive, but I don't know what to do. I'm worried that if I'm too supportive for her, quote unquote, exploring, our family will be doomed. But if I discourage it, she might feel trapped and try to leave. You got to start this one off with the same kind of caveat that I just said, which is there's a lot going on here. You got kids, you got wife, school age kids. So you've been together for a long time. There's a lot of things going on here that I don't know about, right? How? How have you been treating her, right? Uh, what does your relationship consist of? What's the history of the relationship? How well do you two communicate? Is she saying this to get a rise out of you? Do her ideas about other women involve you? There's a lot of things that I could sit here and say that I don't have a clear picture of what is happening. I, I don't I just don't know enough about what's going on. So so I think the best advice I can give in a such a scenario like this is that you reach out to someone and get some professional advice from someone that can get the whole picture, a marriage counselor or someone like that, that can talk through all these things, that can better understand this Scenario because relationships are complex and this one you got your kids like I said you got your wife This is gonna directly impact everybody how this turns out so I Would try and find someone that's gonna look at this from That's gonna be able to get the details That's gonna be able to assess it with from a detached perspective I would probably talk to more than one person because different people are going to say different. I mean, you could probably find a counselor that's an idiot. Um, sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you could, sure. you know, there's 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 counselors out there that let's just say their fundamental values are marriage isn't really a a a, a, a pillar of life. Yeah. And there's other counselors that would be like, oh, marriage is a. So those two people are going to give you completely different answers. Mm-hmm. So I would get some. You know, a first opinion, a second opinion, maybe even toss a third opinion in there. 
and I know I know I'm asking you to do a lot, but here's the deal, man. You got a scenario going on that is you're gonna have to you're gonna have to try and figure out how to solve this thing. And you know, my initial thought was like, oh, you two need to go to marriage counseling together. That was kind of my initial. But then as I thought about it, my first step would be for me to go and explain my side of it and see if there's anything that I can do that will solve the problem without having to count on my wife to be part of the solution. That So I, so the question actually was, how do I take ownership of the situation? You talk to someone that's gonna help you take ownership of the situation that you can find a solution. Mm-hmm. That solution might be, hey, you and your wife need to come to marriage counseling. That could be it. It could be, again, once somebody knows, someone might be like, oh, when's the last time you took your wife on a date? And you're like, oh, October of 2020 or to October of 2019. And you're like, okay. So you have not been romantic with your wife. Yeah. When's the last time you, you know, go down the list? When's the last time you got your wife flowers? When's the last time, like there's a bunch of things we could ask about. Yeah. Not that dates and flowers are a thing, but that's like the first, <laughs> that's like an indicator, right? They're a thing. It's like, an indicator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What, what, when's the last time you sat down and talked to your wife and listened to what she had to say? Yeah. So, and then you do like the whole sex life thing is a whole nother can that needs to get opened up because I don't know what your deal is in that situation, mm-hmm. right? Are you are you getting after it in that respect? Because you might not be. Maybe you think you are, but maybe you're not. If you're not like hydrating before you go to bed and having a sports of freaking Jocko discipline go to get ready to rock and roll with your <laughs> with your wife. You know, like that could be, you, you know, if you're like, well, you know, we get it, we get it on the calendar. Yep. And then once, you know, once every quarter, we're going to, you know, we're going to, if that's what's going on again, I don't know this. Yeah. So how am I supposed to be, how am I supposed to make a call here? I can't. So I would go and talk to someone. I would try two, if not three opinions Tell them what's going on, give them the details, and let's see if we can come up with a good solution. Because I think you getting with someone else that you can talk to and explain this in detail and strategizing is gonna be very beneficial. Um, you know, open marriages, those are a thing. How well they work, I don't know. I can't tell you, because I don't know. Uh, I, there's other kinds of like marriage, I don't know how those things work, I don't know. I just have my wife. So that's, I can tell you what works for me, but I can't tell you what's going on in your situation. So like I said, let's get some professionals involved. Let's try and figure out a solution for yourself first and see if you can solve the scenario. And if whatever that calls for, we move forward. Yeah, the, the first, you know what's weird about this one where it's like, I'm sure there's like a contingent of men who'd be like, wait, your wife is attracted to women? Like, I don't see the problem, kind of a thing. But he makes a good point. So yeah, I guess it depends on like how, because some, I mean, the way this hits me, you know, like any scenario, you kind of put yourself in the scenario, you know? The way I kind of see it, and tell me if you agree with this, in any way, even a little bit, where (laughs) let's say the wife, obviously she's attracted to men too, if they have kids and they've been married, you would think. We'll say that's the case, right? You're making an assumption that we don't know. That's yes. why we can't give advice because yeah, exactly we don't have right. details. Because she might be like, listen, I married you because I thought that that was what I was supposed to yeah, do. Yeah, and yeah, I actually, social. this has been a nightmare for me to, yeah. to be with you. Yeah, that's true. And that's a whole different scenario for sure. Right. But let's say she's attracted to women as well, right? 
let's just we'll say where that's say. something we need to know. Yes, it is. But let's say that was let's say that were the case, right? And I, and I'm kind of in a way asking you where the way I feel is like okay, you it's revealed to you you're attracted to women. That's no different technically than being attracted to other men as well. So if you think you're going to explore with women, that's like exploring with other men or whatever. So that just violates your commitment to this marriage, really. So there's real nothing, really nothing different there. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. So yeah, like if your wife kind of said that or whatever, I would. That's what it, that's what I would feel. I'd be like, I get it. No, it, I mean that makes no difference to me that you're happen to be attracted to women as well. Mm. You're married now. Yeah. If we weren't married or we weren't together, cool. Then that's you know, yeah. do what you dig, sister. But again, you know, and how does this guy feel about it? Because we don't know his feelings. Yeah. He might be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Right. He might be like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, this is a sin. We don't know what this dude's thinking. Yeah. So let's get someone that can get the details so that, but I think the key component is here, you gotta, you gotta get someone f- from the outside to help you work through this because you're in it and you're not gonna find the solution from inside it in most cases. Next question. Hey, Jocko Echo. I wanna say that I really appreciate your work you guys do. Uh, put out and try to help people reach their goals and better themselves all around. I'm 16 years old, and lately I've been having a really hard time getting myself to do things by myself. I sit, I'll sit around and watch YouTube or TV shows all day because that's the only thing that I feel comfortable doing by myself. When it comes to any work that needs to be done or exercising, I'll, I'll try for a little bit, but ultimately stop because the entire time I'm fighting the urge to do something comfortable again. However, when I'm doing work with friends or doing something that others rely on me for, it will get done no matter what and in a timely manner too. I feel that this is self-destructive behavior because I don't think I'm worth enough to work on myself, exercise, and be healthy. But when it comes to others, I'm always on it. My question is, how do I become comfortable working on myself for my own or, or on my own? The last couple of weeks, I've been wondering what to the point or what the point is to everything. I know that no one can do it for me and I must help myself, but I would just like some advice. Thank you very much. So... Check this out. <clears throat> At 16 years old, there's something that I don't think you've realized yet. So I'm going to tell you. And that is that you are a human being. You are, you are a person. And you have agency and power to control your own destiny. And there's some people that figure this out when they're 13. There's some people that figure out when they're 10. There's some people that figure out when they're 23 or 33. And there's some people that actually never figure this out. There's some people that never figure out that, that it's their life. That you're, you're a person. That you can, you can do things in your life. You can make things happen in your life. That what you do, how you behave, the work you put in, how you live your life, all those things impact who you become and and where you end up. And this is one of the most powerful realizations that you can have in your life. You say you're good when it comes to other people relying on you. Well, I've got a news flash for you. You are relying on you. It's actually interesting you you say this problem as if it's a unique problem. Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, 
he one of the rules is something along the lines of treat yourself as if you are someone you are trying to take care of because this problem that you're having is common where people don't mind letting themselves down they they would do anything for their friend but they don't mind letting themselves down that's the that's the exact scenario that you're in so like i said newsflash you do well when other people are relying on you, guess what? You are relying on you. And you have, dude, at 16 years old, you have so much potential to grow and to learn and create and and share and become so much. But not all your potential, it's your potential. It's not, it's not gonna come and knock on your door. You actually have to go and make it happen. So what should you do? What's my advice? Go. Get freaking started. Get started. Get some wins, right? Start small, but start waking up a little earlier. Go for a jog. Clean up your diet. Start training. You know I'm going to tell you to start training jujitsu because I'm going to. Crush your schoolwork, right? Study and dominate. You say you keep going back to comfort. I'm telling you right now, comfort is the enemy of your life. Comfort is the enemy of your growth. Comfort is the enemy of who, of your potential. Comfort is weakness. Comfort is the path to slavery. So you need to deny that comfort. You need to push yourself. You need to get better. You need to be better. You need to become the discipline. And that starts with you. Go get it. Go get it, dude. 16. Can I trade places with you? I'll take over the world. When did you uh, discover self-discipline? I understood the concept. And let me, let me rephrase that. I didn't understand it. I was introduced to the concept as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was listening to Black Flag. Oh yeah, Black Flag. And there's a live album. And at one point during the live album, Henry Rollins, the singer of Black Flag, who's about 10 years older than me. So this is when I'm like 13 or 14 and he's like 23 or 24, but he seems like a man, right? And at one point during this live album, he's, the music's playing, but he's like off script. There's no, and it's kind of this droning going on and he's yelling, the discipline. I am the discipline. And I was listening to that and I was thinking, what does this mean? <laughs> I knew it was something good. Mm-hmm. And that's when like my mind opened up to the discipline. And then, you know, as I grew up and went in the military and realized that the harder I worked and the more discipline I had, the better off everything was. And I just slowly learned that thing by thing. You know, the better shape I was in, the more, the better I could run, the the fat, the more I trained, the more discipline I had, the more I studied, the better I do. Like everything just came down to discipline and I just learned it step by step. But, but I think what I thought you were going to ask me is more the realization that like I'm a person that controls where I where I end up yeah 
And again, that wasn't like a eureka moment where I just woke up and said, oh, I have agency over my own life. No, it was like, oh, if I do this, then this is the result. And so that means if I do this, this is another result. And if I work on this right now, I'm gonna be prepared for this in the future. And so over time, I realized probably by the time, I mean, it was well, that was another good thing about, for me, the military. You do this, you get this. Mm. We, we tell you to do this. If you do it, you're gonna get rewarded. If you don't do it, you're gonna get punished, boom. Yeah. But then I realized that it didn't only apply inside this bubble of the military. It applied to life and that I had control over my life. I had control over the decisions I made, the the choices I made. I had control over those things. I wasn't just along for the ride. I was in the driver's seat. And that was in the military when you realized it was, that? It was, no, it was a slow, it was a learning process a little bit at the time. Yeah. And eventually it was like, oh, I control my life. Hmm. I don't know what age that was. Yeah. But eventually I was, I recognized that if I make dumb decisions, I'm going to have a dumb life. Huh. If I make good decisions, I'm going to have a good life. Yeah. And they're, and all those things are based on me. You know, we had uh, Gil Espinosa on the podcast yeah. Yeah. and he was a firefighter, uh, affirmative action firefighter because mm-hmm. he was Native American Hispanic and he's getting He's look. He's comes back from Nam. He's drinking. He's partying. He's showing up late. He's he's not doing well, mm-hmm. and f- he's getting treated kind of like a shitbird. And finally, he just gets locks the door with you know his his lieutenant or his chief, and he's like, "Listen, I'm sick of all you guys holding it against me because I'm because you're a bunch of white guys." Mm-hmm. And the dude's like, wait, "Wait, what are you talking about? We don't care what color you are. You suck." You're late, you're hungover. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with this color of your skin or your native language. You have a bad reputation. And it was like, oh, so all, and he was blaming everything on everybody else. Yeah. Nothing to do with anybody else. Yeah. It was him. Yeah. So when you realize that, that's the most powerful thing you can get in your life. So look, man, you wanna sit around and watch YouTube? And and just just go back and listen to listen to when we had Andrew Huberman on the podcast, and you're just getting dopamine hits, and it's making you feel good for, for for four seconds at a time, four seconds of comfort, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Andrew Huberman posted the other day like a bunch of people at gambling machines, yeah. and they're just like tick 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 tick, yeah. they're just pressing those buttons, man. Dop- dopamine, dopamine. I mean, the dopamine <laughs> is like a second; it's not even one second. They were pressing these buttons so fast. That dopamine is eating you alive, bro. Sixteen years old. Turn that shit off. Turn off the free, those TV shows are eating your brain. They're destroying your life. YouTube is wrecking your life. It's taking your potential and sh- flushing it down the toilet. That's what's going on. Turn that shit off. You should be pissed off at YouTube. You should be pissed at them. You should be pissed off at TV shows for trying to ruin your life, but you should fight against them. You should rebel against those motherfuckers and be like, you're not gonna get my soul. This is my life. I'm gonna do what I want. That's my recommendation. So you, because that's a big step. Like you said, you kind of knew, like when Rollins was saying the discipline, I knew it was good, Mm -hmm. you know? 
And then, but then that's, that's like, I think the first step, then the second finalizing step is like, oh wait, this, whatever this is, like this applies to my whole life. So like, for example, when I, when we first started uh, lifting weights, mm-hmm. right, you could, you know, you could look at, like, let me look up a good lift, like we did it with the coaches, whatever, mm-hmm. it's cool, but let me look up like a better weightlifting program. And then you look into it and you're like, oh, wait, so dietary discipline, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't eat shitty, eat enough of the rice. You know, like, so you, So we found that out, like, pretty early. But it was like we had, like, an external, like, interest, like, getting bigger and stronger for football, for sports, mm-hmm. whatever. So it's like, let me do the di- – so I, you see that connection. You see, like, hey, if I sacrifice now, I will get a reward way bigger than the sacrifice was was in the future kind of a thing. So you get that. But, Brian, I didn't figure that that it applies to everything in life, like till freaking like mid twenties. I thought you were gonna say three weeks ago. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yesterday. Well, but yeah, no, I was still getting there. I'm still getting there right now. Yeah. Right? So yeah, 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 huh? You yeah, know, like we're all so. still getting there. There's another little lesson learned from Gil Espinosa, right? We're yeah. all still, we're learning, dude. He's 75, still trying to make sure he's on the right path. Yeah. Yeah, but the earlier you can kind of get that or take hold Bro, of that idea. Yes. And this guy at 16. Bro, this is the best thing that could have ever happened for you at age 16. There's nothing better that could have happened to you. Nothing better than you asking this question, good question, and realizing where you are and what you can do. You can take over the world. You can take over the world. Go do it. So you never had a mindset ever, or tell me, I don't know, I'm asking, have you ever had the mindset, like pretty much consciously that like, fuck like the world is not against me but it's like it's not for me you know certain things are for certain people and certain things are for other people whether it be like i don't know success or getting that promotion or like whatever or did you always pretty much say it's kind of up to me how hard i work i figured out that if i do hard work I am going to do better and I'm going to be, I'm going to benefit. And that, and that even if I fail at something, I'm going to still benefit. If I try my hardest, I'm going to benefit. If I put out, I'm going to benefit. Hey, I, bro, I was, I tried hard to be stronger. I tried hard to be the strongest. I was never the strongest. I tried hard to be the fastest. I was never the fastest. Like you, you, I tried and failed, but it still made me better. And it's still, like I couldn't have become an Olympic weightlifter. Like, oh cool, I'm just gonna start, you know, doing double body weight snatches. Sure, double body weight. But I realized if I work hard, it's gonna benefit me. And and that there's a bigger game that you got to try and win, yeah. right? The get, the weightlifting, Olympic weightlifting is a small game. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu is a small game. Promotions in the military is a small game. Yeah. There's all there's all these games that are going on. Games probably the wrong word, but there's all these endeavors you can pursue. There's there's limitless endeavors that you can pursue. But then you got to look at all those endeavors. You look at them all together and you package them up and they're life. Yeah. And I knew I knew I wasn't going to be 
an Olympic weightlifter, champion. I knew I wasn't gonna be a jiu-jitsu world champion. I knew, I knew there's all kinds of limitations in these in individual endeavors. But from a strategic picture, looking at life, I knew I could overcome and do well in life. And at 16, I didn't know that. At 16, I was an idiot. Oh, I yeah. wouldn't have I wouldn't have formulated this question no. if you gave me 10 years to formulate this question. <laughs> yeah. So good sense. for you, 16-year-old dude. But these people are in your head. YouTube's in your head. Comfort is in your head. Get that shit out of there. Get it out of there. Get pissed at that. Go dominate. Last question. Last question, Jock Crackle. <clears throat> I'm 35-year-old woman who is a supervisor at my place of employment. I oversee two different programs and currently supervise about 20 total employees between the ages of 20 and 75 years old. Throughout the past year and a half, one of the younger women, women who I supervise has progressively become more and more clingy towards me. She's she is over a decade younger than me and has a tendency to copy a lot of my characteristics and interests, mannerisms, how I talk, my hobbies, things I purchase, etc. She constantly stops me in the hallways or lingers in the doorway of my office wanting to talk to me. I'm glad she likes me and respects me as a, her supervisor, but in this particular situation, I do not feel like I- imitation is flattery. In fact, it annoys me quite a bit. I'm usually kind of respectful. Kind He's and kind respectful. and respectful toward her while being mindful of trying not to enable my dynamic, the dynamic that she is trying to create. However, I find myself shutting my office door whenever she's around and avoiding her in the hallways due to the fact that the attention she gives me is often too overbearing. How would you suggest I best handle this? Well, I'm going to give you the good news and the bad news. The good news is it sounds like you're handling this really well. The way that you're, you know, being polite and you're not, but you're also, while you're being respectful and while you're being kind, you're also being mindful that you're not enabling that dynamic. So that's good. That's the good news. The good news is you're handling this very well. The bad news is, other than the fact that you're letting yourself be annoyed. (laughs) And I get it. Look, what is wrong with this young woman, right? Doesn't she have a personality of her own? And I'm gonna tell you that quite frankly, no, she probably does not, right? She may not have ever had any examples in her life for how to act as a woman or as a leader. And I know that's sad to think about, but I don't know this young woman's background, but she sees you. She sees that you're smart. She sees that you're a supervisor. She sees that you're a leader. She sees that you're running things. She sees that you're successful. And she's a young, impressionable woman that hasn't had a great example prior to you, most likely, it sounds like. So she's going to imitate it. Of course. Good for her. Other than the fact that it's kind of annoying, which I get. But here's the two courses of action that I can think of. One is build a relationship with her. And if you build a relationship with her, you can actually influence her and lead her in the right direction where you can get her to recognize the fact that she she needs to find her own way of behaving. 
She needs to figure out her own path. And you can actually show her that if you build a relationship with her. Right now, she, she doesn't really know how to build a relationship. You know how she's trying to build a relationship? By hanging around your door and imitating what you do and getting interested in your hobbies. That's literally what she's trying to do. And that's, that's just all she knows. You know, when she was in, when she was in third grade, the other little girls were uh, playing uh, hopscotch and she said, oh, I want to be, I want friends. I'm going to play hopscotch too. She's looking at you and you're into whatever you're into. And she goes, I'm going to do your hobbies. She's going to get into them. I mean, that's the way it's going to be. So, so I would say number one, course of action, build a relationship with her, mentor her, help her. Or the course of action kind of that you're on right now is continue to give her hints about the fact that she's too clingy and she's too, you know, mimetic in the way she acts. And over time, she's going to get the hint. I think either one of these courses of action is going to be okay. I kind of lean, I, I'm sorry, because I know this chick is annoying to you, but I think course of, course of action number one is probably the better course of action. And really, this is an opportunity for you to really help out another human being who needs guidance in life. And the only thing she knows how to do right now is imitate what she sees as a, a successful, positive model. And the cool thing is we can keep this little conversation we're having right now a secret. She's never going to know. <laughs> and you can just mentor and move her in the right direction. And eventually she'll take some stuff from you that's good. She'll meld it with her own personality. And she'll probably turn into a cool person. That's my recommendation. With that, thanks everybody for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause of freedom on the underground, on the UG. You can support us by the ways you support us. Jocko.com, just go there and you can figure out how to support. But you already knew that. We're on the interwebs. Watch out for the algorithm. Get pissed at YouTube. Get pissed at TV shows. Get pissed at Instagram. Get pissed at them for trying to invade your brain. Don't let it happen. We'll be here to provide you with support as we fight this war. We'll be here on the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko.